Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Effective Teaching Podcast where I provide you with actionable strategies that you can apply to your teaching and learning to enhance student learning and transform them into lifelong learners. I'm Dan Jackson and this week I'm going to be talking to you about student voice and choice. Now this is episode 39 if you want to go and see the show notes or watch this uh, video that's also going along with it go to teacherspd.net slash 39 and you'll land on this episode. So let's start by talking about why we should promote student choice and voice. I'm going to give you three kind of main reasons here. One is that it increases student engagement. Okay, they're going to really engage more with the learning and with the activities that you're asking them to do if they get some kind of choice or voice in terms of what's going on. It's also going to provide some more meaning for them because they're going to choose things that are more meaningful for them. And it's going to make learning more relevant for them as well. Because these things are all part of that aspect. If you get to choose what you're learning about, or you get to have a, a bit of a voice in terms of what's going on for your learning, then you be, enjoy that sort of sense of autonomy. And you tend to choose things that are more engaging for you, that have more meaning and are more relevant for you as well as a learner. So allowing our students choice and voice promotes this, but it's also going to promote them as lifelong learners. And it's gonna provide them with really key skills that are required to help them to become lifelong learners because you want them to really be engaged in what they wanna learn and that helps them to become lifelong learners. The other question is why not? Why wouldn't you allow student choice and voice? And I've heard teachers say a whole bunch of reasons for why they wouldn't. Uh, you know, it might be that you know, we have to teach the outcomes or the standards. And so you know, if we allow student choice or voice, they're not going to be able to teach that. I'll talk to you a bit about that, but really, I want to tell you that when you provide students with choice and voice, it should be within those standards. And so you should be making sure that you're still addressing those or still meeting your outcomes, but allowing student choice and voice within that. Uh, maybe you're going to say you don't have time for this because allowing students to have choice or voice does take up some time. But again, you know, if you allow them to have this choice, the rate at which they work and the amount of learning that occurs is actually going to be a lot faster and more uh, than if you don't do this. Next, people often tell me, yeah, students will choose things that I know nothing about as a teacher. And to that, I actually want to say great, because it means that you will also do some learning, because your students are going to do the learning and share it with you, and you're going to learn something about what they're interested in, and that gives you greater insight into your students, which is also something that you should be interested in to help you to make sure that you're a more effective teacher to help your students learn and become that lifelong learner in the classroom. And the last one, teachers complain to me that it's more work. To allow students to have choice or voice in what's going on in the classroom, it requires work. It also requires flexibility uh, from the teacher. And so if you don't want to do that, then you know, as a teacher, if you, if you don't want to put in more work, then just, just find another profession because teaching is a lot of work. Uh, everything that we do requires work. And if you're going to do teaching well, it is going to require a lot of work from you. And so I'm going to tell you that something being more work is not an excuse as a teacher to not try it. It may be that you need to put it off for a little bit until you have a bit more chance to do it, or it might mean that you need to get some more support in how you do it, but it doesn't mean that you don't try it. Okay, so now let's talk about what we're actually looking in here. I'm going to give you a few strategies for voice, and then I'm going to give you a few strategies you can use to help your students to have some choice in what they're learning as well. So voice. Voice is really about your students actively participating in the decision-making of the learning. 
So that can be them, for example, I think this is going to start the very more in-depth end, to be honest. Uh, it could be them co-designing a small unit uh, and you're doing that with them to help target specific outcomes or even the criteria that's used for assessment. So if you sit down with your students and you do some co-creation of units, and I've got to say, uh, Trevor McKenzie in his Dive Into Inquiry book has a great section on how to do this with students. And he uses the understanding by design kind of framework with his students. And obviously this is scaffolded beforehand and he's gone through this process a bit with the students. And I would encourage this to not be the first thing that you do. But if you're a very experienced teacher and you're good at being flexible with your students, this would be a great thing for you to do. To start off a term actually with very little plan for your unit and sit down with your students and say, look, these are the outcomes that we need to achieve. What kinds of things should we do to meet these outcomes? And get their say in what you want to do and then include at least some of those in what you then plan for the rest of the term. Or maybe they can help plan it out for you. And then it'll, in one sense, kind of reduce your workload because your work in terms of planning that unit out is going to be done with the students in that first lesson. Obviously, it might take a couple more lessons than that. Or you can do the same thing with like uh, assessments and, and marking criteria. You can say, I have to assess you against these criteria or against these outcomes. You know, let's sit down and we can come up with assessments that you guys be happy to do that assess your knowledge and skills in these areas. And that again is allowing the students to have voice and having a say in the decision-making that goes with their learning. The next strategy is to get them to provide you with a series of questions on a topic that they want to cover. Uh, and then you use that for what you then do for the rest of the learning. So one thing that I use this highly in, so I'm a PDHPE teacher and one of the things we have to teach is uh, sex ed. And so I often start my units there by just getting my students doing a big brainstorm, finding out what they already know, getting them to ask as many questions as they can. And I just put them all up on the board. Some of those questions they hand in anonymously. And it gives me really good insight into what they know, what they don't know. And then I cater my learning plan to make sure that I'm meeting the things that they actually want to know. And that's them having a bit of a voice in the learning that's going on. Another thing that you can do is to let the students come up with ways to present their understanding that meets the outcomes. So here you might say, well, this is the assessment task. I want you to, to uh, show me how you can do this. But then you let the students actually choose how they go about that. So they're not necessarily co-designing the entire task. They're just looking at uh, having some say in how they go about producing the application of their understanding or the project or the, uh, the product that they're going to make to show you that they are, are really good at meeting that assessment task. Another one is to let them give you the topic that they will examine in meeting the outcome. So actually say, all right, well, here's the outcomes. What topic are you going to choose as you examine this? And might be for an assessment. It might just be in their normal learning though too. What are they going to pick to really look through what topic where they're applying? Particularly, this is good for skills, right? If your subject area has a whole bunch of skills you have to assess, say to the kids, look, I have to assess these skills in you, but what, what are you going to apply these skills to you can pick pretty much anything as long as you're showing me these skills and see what they come up with. You might be surprised. Another one is to let them give you the due date for when an assignment might be due. Uh, and now, of course, you need to do that within restrictions, but you might be able to plan that with the kids and go, hey, look, you know, we have to have an assignment. It's got to be done before your reports that are due at this point. So, you know, when would you like it to be due? And so they might go, you know what? A lot of our teachers have told us that we have to hand everything in in week nine this term. Let's make it during week five. Let's just make it a shorter assignment. And they might be really thrilled with that because it means that it doesn't cluster up their assessments throughout the rest of the year.
And finally, another tip here for student voice is to let them provide each other with feedback. So actually have them share all their tasks and stuff. They'll work with each other and get feedback from each other. But even more than that, I want you to encourage you to make sure that you are getting feedback from your students about how your lessons are going, how your unit's going, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they really learnt a lot from and what they still find really confusing because of what happened in that lesson. Yeah, it's really important if you get that feedback from your students to then adjust your practice. And if you do this regularly, like every week or every couple of weeks, then you can actually adjust what's coming next for those same kids to adjust what uh, they're learning and help them to learn the things that they are struggling with or the things that they really enjoyed. You can provide more similar type activities for them to help them with their learning and they will see that they're, they're actually getting to contribute to how their learning progresses and that's really important. We then switch over to choice and so choice is them selecting between various options that are provided, right? So they can't, for example, have a voice and be involved in the planning of stuff uh, if it's very, very limited. So uh, one strategy that I encourage you to do is to give students a choice in the content or the topic that they cover. So here, it's not them just coming up with anything random. It's you saying, all right, we have to do uh, cover this particular thing. You can choose either this context, this context, or this context to apply it to. Or maybe you're going to tell them, look, I want you to create something that communicates really well. You can make a video, a podcast, or an infographic. And so you're still allowing students choice in what they're doing, uh, but they're just looking at, but they don't get to just come up with anything. So choice, but not just any random thing that they come up with. So you can do this both in their content, so they can choose their content, or they can choose how they go about presenting things to you. Another strategy is to let students choose who they will work with. So rather than allocating groups, you might say, all right, uh, who would you like to work with? Come up with your own groups as a class, uh, and then get them going like that. And then they get to at least choose, have a choice in who they're working with, or maybe they'll have a choice in who they apply stuff to. Uh, so any choice that you can give them in that kind of a sense in terms of who is involved. Uh, and then you might give them a choice in terms of where they will apply their learning. So you know, it's one thing to choose the, the content or the topic. It's nothing to choose, okay, this is the content, the topic. So are we learning about physical activities and we have to show our skills in various different sports, but I get to pick my sports. Uh, and so I'm going to choose that I'm going to go and apply it into uh, dance or I'm going to apply it into gymnastics or maybe I'm going to apply it to football or into cricket or something like that giving them choice in where they actually apply what they've learnt, uh, whether that be the content or the skills, giving them choice in terms of how they or where they apply it. And this comes up a fair bit in PBL too, I find where students get to choose you know, the product that they're going to create, and sometimes they choose who that product is for too. So at the moment, for example, across my school, my students are doing a PBL unit and they get to choose what they make, but they're also choosing who they're making it for. And so for some of them, it's an individual that they're making it for. For others, it's a, it's a group or it's a, an organization that they're making it for, uh, some kind of um, community group that they're, they're looking at. So they're getting that kind of choice within what they're doing. So allowing students to have voice and choice is really important for their learning because it's just, it increases their engagement. It increases the meaning that they're going to gain from what they're doing. And that actually builds up to being for them having better retention of their learning, for them being more involved and wanting to apply it. They're more motivated to learn new skills that they need. And that's really important to then to set them up to become successful lifelong learners. So this week, 
what I want you to do is to try one thing in each lesson and reflect on how it goes. So you might give them some choice in their assignment. You might give them some choice in what uh, maybe the applications they're going to use or how they're going to present some information to you. You might give them some choice in terms of who they're going to work with or some choice in the sense of when things are due or something like that. You, you're going to give them some kind of choices and then I want you to reflect on it and see how it goes. And then I want you to come and leave a comment at teacherspd.net slash 39. Leave a comment there and let me know how it went. I want to know whether or not you allowing the students to have more voice and choice has actually meant that your students were more engaged or did it maybe backfire, maybe it blew up in your face. I don't know. But I want you to really think about it. I want you to plan each one. I want you to do one at least in each day, right? Pick one lesson each day that you're going to put this into and then reflect and see how it goes and then come back and share it with me at teacherspd.net slash 39. Now also, as part of this episode, I've also created an infographic for you that will give you 10 ways to allow your students to have voice and choice in the classroom. Now, go to teacherspd.net slash 39 and you can download that infographic. And if you want to, you can then print it out and blow it up, stick it on your walls and really find ways to enable your students to have more voice and choice in your classroom. All right, well, that's it. Thanks again for listening to me. I would love to hear what you're doing with all this choice and voice. So please make sure you head to teacherspd.net slash 39 and let me know what you have done this week for your students in the comments. I look forward to seeing you next week.